Uh, this morning, I want to call your attention, give you our text uh, from a well-worn passage of scripture, particularly at this time of the year. And um, coming from the book of Isaiah, chapter nine. And I wanna read just two verses of Isaiah nine. The second verse, it says that the people that walk in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. And then the sixth verse, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, comma, Counselor, comma, the Mighty God, comma, the Everlasting Father, comma, the Prince of Peace, period. I said those commas purposely and you will see why later on. Today I want to talk about the benefits of the birth of Christ. The benefits. I really feel compelled to preach this message this morning because so many of us are so distracted during this time of the year. Believers, Christians, we're caught up in what I call a secular Christmas. Santa Claus, reindeer, mistletoe, and all of this. And we really miss the benefit of his birth. Because I think that this is a satanic seduction that Satan has tried to put on all of us to get us to forget the real meaning of Christmas. How many of you would ask your children, what's the meaning of Christmas? And how many of them would give you a spiritual answer? And because we get so distracted that we miss out on the very gift that God wants us to have. And while I'm preaching, somebody right now, you're distracted from listening to this message because you're thinking about all of the trappings of this secular Christmas. How many more shopping days do I have? How late are the malls open? And you're thinking about all those things that really aren't important at all. Rather than focusing on the fact that God gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. So the issue is we need to understand these benefits and blessings that come with the birth of Christ. The benefits that stand out more than any 
can be found in the New Testament. An angel goes to Joseph and tells him that Mary has this baby. Its name should be called Jesus. For he shall save the people from their sins. That is the greatest benefit that we receive from the birth of Christ. That he would go and die on a cross and God would raise him from the dead. And he has now given forgiveness of our sins. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, your sins can be forgiven. See, every one of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. But here's the good news. It doesn't matter what you have done, who you have slept with, the mistakes you have made, whosoever huh, shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. So really, what we ought to, to focus in on is not the presence under the tree, <laughs> but the one huh, that died on the tree. But you know what? Here's what somebody is saying. Well, preacher, I've already accepted Christ. I've already united with the church. So even if you're talking about the benefits of his birth, I've already addressed huh, those situations. Wait a minute. <laughs> somebody say, wait a minute. Being saved and our sins being forgiven <laughs> is not, all, not only the benefits that we get from Christ. And that is what I am really trying to get across to us. And we lose focus on all of that. All too often. So what are those benefits? Hmm. Well, here they are. I'm going to focus in now on our text, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Also understand that when you read a text, you have to keep it in context. So you have to kind of have a walk around the neighborhood of that verse to get an understanding of what the Old Testament writer was saying in his time and in his day. Now, as chapter 8 was closing, verse 22 ends. And then you move to chapter 9, verse 2, kind of gives us an understanding of what the Hebrew children were facing. Listen up. As verse... 22 of chapter 8 says, And they shall look at the earth and see trouble, darkness, gloom, anguish, and they will be driven into darkness. And there is trouble 
And trouble really means that they are in distress. They're in a jam to have your back between a rock and a hard place. Anybody ever been there? Trouble means that you're in a predicament that you cannot maneuver. And that's what they were facing. Trouble. Somebody say trouble. Now, now trouble is one thing, but they also had to deal with darkness. Hmm. So when you are in trouble and then you're in darkness and you cannot see which way to go, you don't know up from down, right from left, you are in a confused state. And that makes it even worse. Because if you are in trouble and walking in darkness and gloom and anguish as it will, huh? oftentimes lead to distress and depression. Now, what is what they were up against? But here's the good news in the text. So when you look at verse 2 in chapter 9, it says the people that walked in darkness have seen what? A great light. And then verse 3 says those who have walked in this darkness, in this anguish, they now have joy put before them and verse 4 talks about their yoke has been broken and their burdens have been lifted. Listen, he's writing to us. They were in darkness, but now it has turned to light. They have been delivered. They had been depressed, but now they have joy. Somebody say, I have joy. But what is it that turned it around so quickly? I mean, this is the very next chapter. Hear me today. They had been suffering all of this anguish, all of this gloom, all of this darkness. And let me pause to tell you, that <laughs> it is why you cannot give up. I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know what trouble has landed on your doorstep, but hang on in there. You don't know what chapter you are in to whatever you're going through. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Hang on in there. That's why the old preacher said, they, that wait. Anybody waiting on him? Huh? Are you going through something? I don't care if it's relationship, financial, the loss of a loved one. Wait on the Lord. Be of good cheer. And he will show up. I said he will show up. So so I'm saying, hang on in there. Don't give up. Because, see, you never know when your breakthrough is coming. Oh, turn to somebody and say, if 
you're going through something. Your breakthrough is coming. Oh, yeah. We, how, how, how can you say that, Reverend? Well, 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 I think I read somewhere that weeping ha, may endure for a night, ha, but joy ha, shall come in the morning. Sometimes the nighttime can be a, a long time, but I'm here to tell you, if you hang on in there, joy, unspeakable joy, will come. Huh. In the morning, anybody who know what I'm talking about? Anybody listening to me know what I'm talking about? See, some of you are coming down to the very end of a chapter in your life. And if you throw in the towel, you throw up the white flag. If you surrender, if you give up, you're going to miss your blessing. Did you hear that? Hear me, whatever trouble you're going through, God has allowed it to come to you. Wait a minute. Remember last week we talked about the Lord is my shepherd and my shepherd won't let anything come to me that's going to hurt me. Now, it may hurt while you're going through it. Because there are some lessons that you could not learn in the peace and in the calm. There are some lessons of life that you only learn in the middle of a storm. And in the middle of a storm, God can get your attention and God can tell you some things and God can teach you some things. In fact, some of you will testify today that it was when I came out of the storm that my life turned around because I changed my thought process and I changed my direction and I changed my attitude and I changed. And that's why the songwriter said it was a wonderful change that came over me, but it was only after you went through the storm. Hmm. Somebody say amen. I'm glad I went through the storm. And it ended up being a blessing. I said it ended up being a blessing. Because I'm a better person today. Than I was yesterday. Hmm. Now see y'all done got me happy. That's y'all's fault. Hmm. Listen. This is an Old Testament prophecy that I'm preaching from of the birth of Jesus Christ. In Luke, the angels are going to show up to the shepherd and say unto you, this day in the city of David is born Christ the king. But long before it happens, this is the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9, it's talking about the person of Jesus Christ. Here's what I want to say to you. No matter how bad life seems to you right now. Somebody say right now. When you get the right person in the right place, your turning point is going to come. 
And too many of us think, hear me, young people, too many of us think that possession is what turns our life around. See, many of us think that if I can just get the right possessions, everything is going to be all right. The house, the car, the job, the money, the person. Too many people think that if I got into trouble, if I just throw money at it, it will just go away. And there are problems, young people, that, that money cannot solve. We give possessions too much credit. Now, I want to make this clear. I'm not saying God will not prosper you. He will. Huh? We do serve a God that will prosper you. I'm just trying to get you to stop thinking that these possessions are going to bring you joy and happiness. See, if you think that money is going to bring you joy and happiness, then Mike Tyson would have been had more joy and happiness than all of us put together. Mike Tyson made $400 million before he lost it. And when they interviewed him, Mike Tyson said, life is not worth living. And you know, when I heard that, it dawned on me. I don't have $400 million, but life is worth living because God <laughs> sent his son. They called his name Jesus. And because he lived, I can face tomorrow. Because he lived, all fear is gone. And life is worth living. And I know I got some witnesses. I know you don't have $400 million. But I know there's somebody listening to me that's got joy. You got happiness. You have peace. The benefits of his birth. Now, let me give it to you. These benefits. You get because of the birth of Jesus Christ that was given unto us, born unto us. Now watch this. Somebody say, watch this. His name, let me stop right there. Let me pause just a minute and let me explain to you what names mean in the Old Testament. Name in the Old Testament means power. It means influence. Names means character. Names means nature. We're getting ready to see, based on the name of the Son of God, the power and the character and the nature and the blessings we get because of our connection, our relationship with him. Now, 
Here it is. Wonderful counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. And it talks about he is a wonderful counselor. Let me ask you this. Why is it that people who are now in the light, their burdens have been lifted in place of sorrow? They, they would that they need a wonderful counselor. You would think they wouldn't need any counselor because they have come out of the darkness. They have come out of the gloom and doom. But they need a counselor. Why is that? Because even though they have come out of a bad situation, the bad situation has not come out of them. Even though they have come out of darkness, the darkness has not yet come out of them. And I'm preaching to somebody today that you went through a bad situation two months ago, two years or three years ago, and you know it's over. Everybody knows it's over. But you came out of a bad situation. But you haven't let the bitterness come out of you. You still have some of that mess in you. So when you come out of that mess, you will discover that he is a wonderful counselor. Am I preaching to anybody today? Now, 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 let me throw this in for free. This does not mean that you stop going to your therapist. You know what? I think I need to say that again. This does not mean that you stop going to your therapist. It doesn't mean you stop going to your counselor because God did give people the gift of encouragement, a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge. So there are people that we can go to to help us deal with things internally. Hear me today. Deal with our psychology and with our emotion. So I'm not saying get rid of your counselor. You might need a therapist. And, and one of our surgeon generals said that one out of five Americans needs some kind of psychological and emotional help. Hello, somebody. And if you're sitting in a pew or live in a house with at least five people, you need to call and make your appointment this week. I'm not saying get rid of your Christian counselor. I'm saying that there is somebody 
greater than your Christian counselor. Jesus is a wonderful counselor. Anybody in here know that he is a wonderful counselor? A big part of preaching means that I many times have to do a word study because we have to know what the word meant when it was written and not what the word means in the 21st century. Now, this was written in Hebrew, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Now, the word wonderful in the Hebrew literally means miracle. Somebody say miracle. So then he shall be called miracle counselor. Woo. The only reason I'm standing preaching in my right mind right now is because Jesus, somebody say Jesus, is, somebody say Jesus is, a miracle counselor. Anybody in here ever experience the miracle counseling of Jesus? You don't have to look at me like you ain't never been through nothing. The only reason many of you are in your right mind today is because he is a miracle counselor. You drank enough liquor to be alcoholic crazy. You snorted enough coke huh, where you shouldn't even be here. But it was nobody but Jesus. All the hell you've been through. All the stuff you've been through. The mess in your marriage. The things in your relationship. What happened on the job. What your friends did to you. The only reason you still standing right now is because Jesus is a miracle counselor. And you know what? And you know, sometimes you look back on some of the stuff you did and you say, oh, I must have been crazy. I'm glad I got some honest people in the house. But it was Jesus that kept you in your right mind. Somebody else went through what you went through. You know what they did? They put a bullet in their head. Somebody else went through some dimness of anguish. Huh? And you went through and they split their wrists. They jumped off a bridge. And the only reason you brushing your teeth with your toothbrush and not your hairbrush is because Jesus is a miracle counselor. Somebody said one more time, Jesus is a miracle counselor. Yes, he is. I said, yes, he is. Okay. So then it says, he, he's a wonderful counselor. Huh. Then it starts getting into mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. I'm just about through. Now, let me kind of slow it down a little bit. I don't want to sound like a professor in a college, but you need to understand what the Hebrew is saying. It's written in Hebrew originally. Listen, 
there were no punctuation marks used. And I've told you this before, that the Bible was not written in chapter and verse. Amen. No verses, no chapters, no periods, no semicolons, no commas. See, all the punctuation that was added later to help us to work through the Bible, depending on what translations you read. And when you read the NIV of Isaiah 9, you will see the punctuation is different than the King James. I'm not going to tell you what it is because I want you to pick up your Bible, not now, but at some point to check it out. Amen. So you read will what you read will determine where the commas go. There were no commas in the King James Version. They added them. It says his name shall be called Wonderful, comma, Counselor, comma, Mighty God, comma, Everlasting Father, comma, Prince of Peace, period. It wasn't written like that. There was no commas. So I can put the commas. <laughs> oh, I love this. I can put the commas where I want to put them. They did. I could say his name should be called Wonderful, comma, and I could think about that for a minute because you're you supposed to pause at a comma. Am I right? And then I could walk, talk about the fact that he's a counselor, put a comma there, and then I don't have to put a comma after wonderful. I could say wonderful counselor. Then I could put a comma after mighty and just think about his power. And then I don't have to put everlasting father. I could put everlasting comma father. Comma. Are y'all getting this? Because sometimes it depends huh, on what I'm going through huh, as to where huh, I want to put huh, the comma. Huh, because I can put it huh, wherever huh, I want to put it. Oh, I wish I was preaching to somebody today. Then Prince of Peace. And then... I could just deal with his royalty. Or I don't have to put any commas. I could say his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Period. Huh. Now, I can put that all together because he's all of that at the same time. Now watch this. It goes from miracle counselor to mighty God. Why do I need a mighty God when I just finished with a wonderful counselor? Because I do not always listen to God's counsel. 
Oh. And the reason why some of us are in the situation that we're in is not because it's somebody else's fault. It's because I ignored wonderful counseling. And now I need a mighty God to get me out of the mess that I put myself in. See, y'all not following the sequence of the scripture. Psalms 1. Psalms 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinner, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. His delight is in the law of the Lord and in the word of God and in the counsel of God. And in that word and in that counsel do I meditate both day and night that he should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water to spring forth good fruit in due season. In your season and your leaves won't wither and whatsoever you do ye shall prosper now what happens if my leaf is withering and I'm not prosperous hmm maybe S.E. Shannon you have not meditated on the counsel of God because I ignored the counsel of God that's why I'm suffering these crazy consequences. That's why I don't have to jump off of a bridge because he is a wonderful counselor. Oh, I may not be hollering, church. <laughs> and a mighty God that shows up. I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting close to the end, but I, you, you got to hear this. That shows up and helps me overcome my own problems. What is interesting here is that there is no name. Hear this. There is no name given to God. It says wonderful, counselor, everlasting father, prince of peace, mighty God. Because it does not limit him with his might. Now, hear this, and you may want to remember this. Whenever you read in the Bible and it starts giving God's names or Jesus' name, it speaks to his character or his nature. The Hebrew would experience God and then give him a name that would express that experience. Are you getting this? That they had with God. Jehovah Jireh. He provides. Jehovah Shalom. Peace. Elohim. Makes a way out of no way. So they have an experience with him. So this time there is no name given it's just God, Eli. Listen, Moses meets God at the burning of the bush on the backside of the desert. But Moses said, 
I need to know your name. So if they ask me who sent me, I can tell them. I can't go to Pharaoh and tell him that God said, let my people go. I have to have your name because they were in a polytheistic community where they had many gods, small g gods. They had more than one god. All these little gods, small g gods, had different names. When I go and tell Pharaoh that God said, let my people go, Pharaoh is going to want to know what is your God's name. And I've got to tell him something. God says, tell Pharaoh. Now watch him because he's not going to give a name. The name would limit him to what you call him. And if you give him the name, the Hebrew people won't understand how big he is. Go and tell Pharaoh, God says, that I am, that I am, sent you. Y'all not getting this. Tell him, I am, whatever you need me to be. Oh, I am that. You need a doctor? I am that I am. You need a healer? I am that I am. You need a way maker? I am that I am. You need somebody to open doors? I am that I am. He is a mighty God. Now, wait a minute. He's not just a mighty God. He's an everlasting father. Just a few, give me two minutes. Now, somebody crying because you didn't get that engagement ring this year. Your house didn't come through. The car is not there. The husband ain't there. And, and, and you're going through this not really understanding and knowing that you have an everlasting father. You know what's so important about an everlasting father? Because I don't always understand a mighty God. Hear this, and I'm closing with this. God is sovereign. He can do whatever he wants to do whenever he gets ready. His thoughts are not my thoughts. His ways are not my ways. And as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are his ways from my ways. And sometimes God moves in our lives and I don't know why he moves like that. Sometimes he gives me stuff and I don't know why he gave it to me. So when I've done bad, he's doing good for me. I don't understand that. So things I don't understand 
as my God. I trust him as my everlasting father. Sometimes I have to go through stuff without God explaining it to me that when there are times that I have to trust him when I don't understand him I've got to trust him when I can't see him I've got to trust him when any movements when I don't see any movements from heaven I've just got to trust my everlasting father then the last, Prince of Peace. That's why we go where we go. We just look for some peace. Anybody in here want some peace? Yes. And I'm going to tell you something. The older you get, <coughs> the older you get, the more important peace becomes to you. Try and go home, some of us, and get some peace. You can't get it there. Can't get it any peace on the job. <coughs> you can't find any peace <coughs> there. So you try to drink enough liquor to get some peace. Smoke enough weed looking for some peace. Snort enough coke to get some peace. Sleep with enough people <coughs> to get some peace and discover at the end of this thing, you are more confused than you were when you started. Trying to get some peace. But I know somebody, when all hell is breaking loose, that will give you peace because he guards your heart and your mind because your mind is stayed not upon this secular Christmas, not upon mistletoes and <coughs> snowmen, but your mind <coughs> is stayed on Jesus. Won't he give you peace? I said, won't he give you peace? <coughs> I hope this word has helped somebody today and that we put our focus, put the emphasis of this day, this season, and it's true. Jesus is the reason for the season. Don't forget that. It's, you know, some of you are depressed because you don't have enough money. It's not about that. It's about celebrating the Savior of the world being born. God bless you and God keep you. Amen.